0: It's time for some podcast reviews. This one's from Ann Madmati. Lisa, I just adore your voice, your badass attitude, and the way you always show the audience that you are human too. I've been hearing your podcast since day one and I love every new show and guest even more. Thank you for being the bridge to know all these amazing women and also to share your life experiences with us. I love how you make me feel if I was in your living room with all these amazing women. I've learned a lot and it's definitely helping me to build into the woman and human I want to become. You're really one of my biggest inspirations and thank you for showing me that everyone is capable to become a badass superwoman like you and your guests. P.S. I love the interview with Radhi Shetty. Thank you so much for that wonderful review. I wish my uncontrollable frizzy hair was straighter, blonder, fuller, fill in the blank, like hers. I wish my skin was lighter, darker, smoother, fill in the blank, like hers. I wish my nose was smaller, my teeth were straighter, and on and on and on the wishing goes. And as a kid, I was teased for my looks and I wanted nothing more than to be like everyone else, to fit in, to not stand out, If I change and look like them, maybe people will like me. Maybe I'll be happy. Sound familiar? Well, it certainly resonates with today's Women of Impact. Growing up in the Bronx as a second generation Puerto Rican, her parents wanted her to fit in so badly, they chose not to teach her Spanish. But it, in fact, had the opposite effect. She didn't feel fully American with her heritage, and she didn't quite fit in with the Puerto Rican community because she couldn't speak the language. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is what we call being stuck between a rock and a hard place. And to make matters worse, her abusive home life, her bad news boyfriend, horrific school grades, and it taking her five years to graduate, all left her feeling like Nemo. Alone, lost at sea, with no safety raft, about to get caught up in a storm. And the weather report is in, a storm is coming. From abusive relationships to suffering and dealing with Hashimoto disease, to being dropped by her agent after failing auditions and auditions, today's guest paddled her heart out to stay afloat. But she decided to not just bear the storm, but instead swim towards it. She rode the waves of rejection, inhaled a boatload of negativity, paddled past criticism, swam through the eye of the haters, and came out with a lead role in the hugely popular romantic dramedy that swept the nation, Jane the Virgin a CW Golden Globe-nominated television series that was given a nod by the People's Choice Awards, the Critics Awards, and became a Golden Globe-nominated television series that ran for five seasons, where she took home the Imagine Award for Best Supporting TV Actress. So guys, please, help me in welcoming the woman who had a dream, almost gave up, but didn't, and now holds a litany of acting credits, including Netflix Bright, where she plays opposites Will Smith, as well as co-starring in the HBO television series How To Make It In America. A woman who is now using her platform to give back with A Place Called Home, an amazing non-profit organization providing a safe haven of education and artistic development for inner city youth in South Central Los Angeles. An actor, speaker, and philanthropist, she is the X and the O to anyone struggling to fit in and shows us all how not Being like everyone else is, in fact, a freaking superpower. The forever unique Andrea Nevedo. Wow, my goodness! Welcome to the show. That was awesome. Thank you. Oh, I, I absolutely adore you. We recently met, and your story just blew me away. From the outside, you look like it seems to be you're perfect. You have an amazing career, you're beautiful, you're articulate, you're so freaking sweet and honest and um, open and vulnerable, but hearing your story of where you come from, that just really struck a nerve with me, Mm -hmm. because that's something that, A, I don't think people almost give you credit for, um, Mm -hmm. and how far you've had to come to be the person that I I see today, Mm -hmm. but also the fact that I think every person at home right now has had some form or other not feeling like they fit in. And most people try succumb to it. Most people conform to be accepted. But I love your story and I love where you were like, okay, this is my life, this is how I was brought up, but I'm not going to just take it, I'm going to take action. So talk to me about when you were 11 years old and you decided that you wanted to speak Spanish.
1: Yes. So, uh, you know, when my parents grew up in the States in the 50s and 60s, it was a time of assimilation. You know, if you were Latino, which that term didn't exist at the time, uh, there were things like, you know, you would be called a spick or a dirty spick or a greasy whatever, greasy Puerto Rican or something like that. These were things that, you know, at the time that people wanted to shun you know and not be not be seen in that light and so the psychology behind it was we have to be as American as we can be Mm -hmm. we have to assimilate we have to be under the radar don't bring attention to ourselves and if we do we have to be really good at what we do we have to be good people and try to convince people that we're good Mm -hmm. Um, and so part of that is rejecting your own culture and so when I was growing up I was only spoken to in English I, was, I heard Spanish, I was in, in the atmosphere of it, but it, I really was growing up in the Bronx. So when I was 11, my parents sent me for a month to Puerto Rico to be with my grandmother, and it was a, a wonderful experience that really helped me get in tune with my culture of being Puerto Rican and being Latina. Um, but besides that, there was a, a, a moment where um, I got to meet some of my family that I didn't know, and they start talking to me in Spanish. and. I didn't understand what they were saying. And you know, they would look at my baffled look and then they finally said, oh my God, you don't speak Spanish? Oh, that's such a shame. And I was so embarrassed. I was, that hit me to the core. I felt the rejection of my own family. And so I made a decision at age 11 that I was gonna learn Spanish that I was gonna claim my own identity. And so uh, I love the fact that I got to be on Jane the Virgin and that was something that I needed as a kid and at that age 11, not knowing how to speak Spanish. So finally, when I got to college, I really started to focus on it. And then I went to Mexico and studied for three months and I was in Cuba for a month. I went to the University of Havana and
0: on and on. And happy to say that I'm fluent now. I love that you own that though, right? That yes. like, okay, this is something that I want to identify with. So I'm going to immerse myself in it. And I think that that's such a key. And in everything I've read about you and your stories, how deliberate you are to then go in and actually um, get the result you're looking for. Yes. So um, so you, you, you teach yourself Spanish, you figure out that that's important. And what I love, you even said it just now, is I wish I had Jane the Virgin when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about the importance for you of having somebody that is like you, whether it looks like you, comes from the same background as you, um, that allows you to feel like you belong somewhere. And then also, why is that important? Well, I think
1: uh, as children, we look up to the adults in our world, whether it's in media or in our immediate family. and. We're looking for inspiration. We're looking for something to hold on to. We're looking for something to strive for. And we're usually looking for ourselves. We wanna see ourselves. Uh, and if you uh, grow up in a, in a place that doesn't really value who, who you embody, maybe your culture um, or race or anything like that, the subliminal message is that you have no value that you're not important. And I, I'll be honest, I felt invisible when I was growing up because I grew up in, in a predominantly Latino and African American neighborhood. But when I watched TV, I really didn't see much of that. And if I did, what I saw were these sort of like neg- negative stereotypes. Mm-hmm. And I also grew up in a, a low economic neighborhood. So, you know, there was drugs and, you know, prostitution and violence and things like that so I'm like wow is this my value is like is this what I'm worth because these were my immediate surroundings and that's all I had to compare to is is that what being me means Mm. Um, so that's a very painful thing to think as a child and so when I finally booked Jane the Virgin and as the series develops and I start to see these Latina characters who are held in this beautiful, positive light with flaws Mm -hmm. and um, revered on some level. And then just the response from the public, it it validated the little girl in me who's still very much there, who still wants to be valued and heard and seen and loved. Um, I'm gonna start getting emotional. It's like, I I realized, I was like, oh my God, Jane the Virgin was what I needed when I was growing up. I really, really needed that. It would have made a big difference, but it's okay because what I realized was that wasn't supposed to be my journey. My journey was supposed to feel the negative impact of that, strive to value myself, to put myself forward, to pick me before society or anything was going to pick me. And I was going to fight for me. And through doing that, I ended up booking Jane the Virgin and having an impact on people who were like me, who needed to see themselves being reflected in a positive light, who needed to see it to be it. And so I see the value in not having because I now can come, come from the, the fight and tell the story, you know, tell the story
0: and put people on the map. And that's so important to me. Yeah. Um I definitely want to dive deep into your story because mm-hmm. what I find so interesting is you had every opportunity to fail. I did. Every yeah. opportunity to stop. I did. Um, so one thing that immediately comes to mind is there's a statistic that I had heard where um, a person's success is not equating to somebody's IQ. It actually equates to the zip code they grew up in. Yeah. Let that sink in for a second. Success is directly equated to the zip code you grew up in, mm-hmm. which we have no control over. Exactly. And I heard an interview with you, and I heard you say that the biggest dream you had in those times where you wanted a place with stairs, I wanted a house, I wanted to grow up in a house with stairs. Okay, so a house with stairs. And talk to me about having a dream and then where you ended up changing that level of dream to go, okay, I want a house with stairs. And now, hey, I'm actually changing the way culture is seen on television. Mm -hmm. Like that's a freaking massive gap right there. Well, I wish I could say that I was intentional, you know, in terms of
1: Mm -hmm. um, pursuing an acting career to make an impact. I I was, I wanted to make an impact on my life. Okay, (laughs) I love that. And that's the truth. I mean, I was just taking care of myself. Uh, And I I used to think that deciding to be an actress was kind of like a selfish career, Mm. you know, because it's very, you know, self-focused. It's about your looks. and It's about me, 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 me. And I really believe that. But one of my best friends, she kind of pointed out to me how it's actually a ministry Mm. and it's a responsibility. You have a platform, even if it's just for an audience of one Mm. or the audience of yourself, the little ones inside of you. Mm. And so what I was doing was trying to make an impact on the little girl inside of me who felt that she wasn't valued. And so to me, acting was that, was, was picking me, choosing me. Uh, It was saying, yeah, I have value too. Yeah, I don't see myself on TV and film much, but you know what, I'm gonna still show up anyway. I know the odds are stacked against me, but you know what, what's the other choice? The other choice is to not do it, to not pursue it, and then what? So which one do you want? Do you wanna try and see what happens and maybe it'll be a success? Or do you wanna guarantee that you don't have success and then feel like crap? Right. So uh, that's actually how I decided to become an actor. I, I um, in in college. I well, you know that it took me five years
0: to graduate high school, which I had a lot of shame about. Um, Can you talk to me actually before we go on because yeah. I really want to talk about that. You had sure. a lot of shame for the five years. Yeah. Is it that was that your own shame or shame put upon you from other people? My own, my own.
1: Because you know you're supposed to graduate high school in four years you know, um, and here it was taking me, it took me five. um, And one of the reasons why it took me five, well, really the main reason why it took me five was because I pretty much did not go to school for one of the years because I thought it was much better to hang out with my boyfriend, who was not going to school either. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, uh, you know, he was a great influence on me. Um, But I'm glad that I did it because I needed to see what that choice, where that choice would lead me. I needed to actually live it and experience that choice. Um, and so this boyfriend was um, abusive, physically abusive to me. And I had grown up seeing that. I had grown up seeing my mom get hit by my stepfather. And um, you know it was a violent household. And To me, that was my example of relationships. It had to be a lot of conflict. And so I went through that with him for a couple of years, but little by little, the part of me that values me, the part of me that knows that I have worth and has a very strong will, just started to wake up and started to get angrier and angrier and to the point where she was like, fuck this shit. Is this what I want for my life?
0: If you own your own business, when an employee leaves your company, whether on good terms or bad, it can feel
1: breaking points for me was um, one day I was with my boyfriend and um, he had two pit bulls. One of them was very vicious and uh, we were arguing or something. I don't remember what it was and um, he... uh, had the dog with him and on a leash and he was kind of like threatening me with the dog he was like trying to stick her on me and she was growling at me and i was just sitting there on the sofa and he's standing and he's menacing me with a dog and i got really scared and i thought i, I don't know what's going to happen and so i had to be smarter <laughs> i you know my survival instinct instinct kicked in and i said i said to him wow You're such a tough guy. You need your dog to put put your woman in her place, huh? Meanwhile, I was like 16, by the way. Wow. And and he's like, I don't need my dog. I said, yeah, you don't need your dog? Well, put your dog away. Mm. (laughs) So my thinking was like, all I gotta do is get this dog away from me. And so he was like, all right, I'm gonna put the dog away. So he puts the dog away and he comes back. And I'm like, fuck. Now what? I didn't think much farther than that. (laughs) And then he stands there and he starts to poke me in my head. What you gonna do now? What you gonna do now? The dog's not here now. And I lost my shit. And I jumped up and I attacked him. And literally we were like a ball Mm -hmm. on the floor fighting. Actually, he was trying to keep me off of him. I had so much rage in me that I was like, just took it all out on him. And then he finally pulled a knife out on me to get me to stop. And then I was like, oh, my God, what am I going to do now? And then I literally had to use that reverse psychology on him, and it actually worked. Oh, you're such a tough guy. You need a knife to put your woman in her place, blah, blah, blah. And he puts it away, and it was just a wake-up call, like, oh, my God, if I, if I keep going, this is going to be my life. And so after that, I started to change my mind. I said, I'm going to go back to school, and... Um, I broke up with him and he was cool with
0: it. And I literally became an honor student the whole last year of high school. Wow, that's amazing. And I love that you said like, mm-hmm. I just decided. Mm-hmm. I just decided. Some people were like, it's never that easy. Was it that easy for you? Was it that you, you had just been enduring just so much abuse and mm-hmm. um, you know almost like the negativity of this is what your life's gonna be and then you just broke? Is there anything in hindsight that you could have done? T- I need to say that it isn't easy, yeah. but
1: a decision is a split second. It, uh, every decision that is ever made in the world is a split second, but the decision process could be a long time okay. and it could be a painful process. And it depends on how in tune we are with ourselves or how willing we are to go inside and look at our truth. And be honest with ourselves and have like some serious conversations with the different parts of us
0: uh, you know so talk to me about that how do you how do you even start that how do you identify the different parts of yourself and then how do you talk to each different part
1: i think everyone has it and it's actually the chatter in your mind most of us hate the chatter in our minds and um, i was introduced to this new new type of therapy with my therapist and one of them is i suggest everyone go to therapy (laughs) Um, but uh, it's called internal family system and it's about listening to the voices in our mind or the parts of us and so there's you know everyone can relate to they've heard of the concept of the inner child Mm -hmm. but it's more of of a concept but if you actually kind of look at it as a real part of your personality. It's a separate part of your personality, but it's a part of you. And a lot of the times what we do is we end up shunning it because we think we shouldn't be thinking these things or we shouldn't be feeling these things. And like my therapist says, stop shitting on yourself. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Right? Isn't that great? Because um, through this therapy is... What you end up doing is not shunning it, not banishing it to the dungeon, not ignoring it, not telling it it's bad, and taking the time to listen to what these voices have to say. And if you really take the time to listen, you actually might find out that they are looking out for you, that they have some wisdom. And if you give them an opportunity to share that wisdom, maybe they will kind of lesson and kind of go, okay, I feel heard now. Mm. I'm okay. And so part of the therapy is there's like our essential pure self that ends up through, you know, through the healing process, becoming the leader of the voices. And the voices are um, eventually kind of go along, mm-hmm. but as long as they're feeling heard. And I know it
0: sounds kind of crazy. No, it, it really doesn't. And I, mm. um. I beg you to not dismiss yourself like that. Like, right. seriously, yeah. girl, having come from where you've come from, where you've all you've seen is negativity, you've seen abuse, and you're being told, like, why are you acting, right? The people had actually mm-hmm. told you that. Like, you don't know how to act, and you what right do you have? So right. I think making sure that you're also listening to your inner dialogue is so important, right? so important, and acknowledging. I love what you mm-hmm. just said. Yeah. Um, but then I actually want to take it a step further and say, okay, well, if you've got these negative voices in your head and you know, you're know you battling them, are you good enough? Hey, Andrea, who the hell are you to think that you can act? You've never even acted before and you go on these auditions. Um, but then you also have people in real life saying you shouldn't be doing it. Mm-hmm. So what made you not stop when you've got people telling you shouldn't, you've got your negative voice telling you you shouldn't. I love the fact that you had the audacity to ignore the shouldn'ts.
1: Yeah, yeah, ignore the shouldn'ts. I can foresee it and play it out and see, well, where, if I listen to this voice, where is it going to end me up? Mm. And the thing is, I experienced regret early on, which was losing a year of high school, not being a, you know, a horrible student, you know, like failing grades, spending time with someone who was going nowhere. I had regret for that because what ended up happening was, I only got accepted to one college because I didn't have the grades. And the thing was, I had to convince the administrator to let me in. I wrote a, a very convincing essay pleading my case. But then in person, I talked to him and I and I basically asked. Give me a chance. Mm. And if I'm so crying now. <sighs> oh, it's, it's yeah, I know it's all good. I'm so sensitive and I love it. <laughs> Um it's the wiser part of you. Everyone has it. There is like an essential self. It's it's our spirit, it's our soul who is beautiful and pure and complete and has needs no fixing. And it's that part that's is getting kind of squashed down by the voices because the voices are the, the parts are scared. They're scared. They don't know what's on the other side. And because they've been programmed based on certain experiences in life, they are determined to make sure that we survive, that we never experience shame again, that we never be put down again, Mm -hmm. that we never get ourselves in physical danger again. We have to protect ourselves. And so I think through the healing process, and I think every human on this planet is here to... uh, bring forth that soul to reassemble themselves, to remember who they are essentially, a pure, beautiful spirit. And it's God's way or whoever, whoever you believe in way of experiencing themselves and they could not experience themselves without the contrast. Mm-hmm. You need the contrast. You need the black and the white. If you're just white, you don't know anything else. If you're just black, you don't know anything else. You have to have the two contrasts to have something to compare it to. And you need the resistance, just like working out in the gym, you don't have any resistance, there's not gonna be any growth. Mm. So uh, that's what to me, you know, people, you know, it would behoove them, you know, not a should, but it would behoove them to allow themselves to be brave enough to go inside and sit with the uncomfortable feelings and to hear the negative voices, not to shun them, but to actually take the time to listen to them because they actually might teach you something and might actually help you.
0: God, yeah, that word brave is exactly what I think about you when mm. I talk to you and I hear your story and I mm. hear, like, what you've been through. Because um, every step, you've you've had to be, be brave in order to face what you face in order to get to where you are today. Mm. Um, talk mm. to me about the first gig that you got where you go in for a line reading and you think that you're the girl next door and then they actually tell you that you're not to the girl next door. Talk to me yes. about that story so um it took me a few years to get myself on the map once i graduated
1: college and and actually get an agent and you know it's a lot of legwork and it's showing up and it's a lot of auditions and not getting any of the roles not booking um but plugging away chipping away chipping away and so my first real to me legitimate acting gig was on this soap opera called one life to live Um, And I was so excited that I got this audition. I was like, oh my God, this is my opportunity. I'm like, yes. And um, I got the sides and it was like this girl next door character, which I had not seen on TV. So I'm like, yeah, they're like calling the Latina in to go and be the girl next door. I'm like, that's me, I'm the girl next door. And so I worked so hard on these sides and I really could relate to this character and um, I went in and auditioned for these two uh, female casting directors and I gave it my all and um, they're sitting there and they're like looking at each other and they're, like yeah yeah I'm just and they're like wow well, can you come back tomorrow for a callback and I'm like oh, yes I will be back tomorrow and I go home and I'm like oh my god I'm so excited I got a callback so I work on it some more I come back on you know really really excited come in I do the size for them again and they're looking at it conferring and they're like so do you want this role and i'm like yes yes I, I want it and they're like okay it's yours so i show up to the wardrobe fitting i'm all excited i'm like oh my god i can't believe i just booked this job and so we're trying on different clothes and uh one of the things they have me put on is this like mini skirt so i'm like okay mini skirt and they have me put on some combat boots i'm like Girl next door, combat boots? I'm like, well, okay, whatever. I don't know what the story's about. Uh, Then they have me in this like cut off midriff. And then they give me these gold bamboo hoop earrings. And then I was like, what? This, This doesn't make any sense. And so I said to the wardrobe designer, I said, I don't understand why you're putting me in these clothes. This doesn't seem to fit the character that I auditioned for. And so she goes, oh, no, that's, that's not the role you audition for. You're 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 you audition for the girlfriend of the gang leader. And I went, "What?" And I was so heartbroken in that moment. To me, what was communicated was that you're Latina, you can't be the girl next door. This is what you can be. You could be the girlfriend of a gang leader cuz that's what you're that's what you're worth. And so I left there. I I didn't know what to do because I was caught between a rock and a hard place, meaning like I finally got a legitimate job, you know, that was going to pay the rent. It was going to be a a heavily recurring role. Uh, I was going to qualify for my health insurance. It would give me a demo reel, a tape to like get me, you know, more work in the future. But then at the same time, am I going to be reinforcing a stereotype that has hurt my people, that has kept them down and, and and told them that they were, this was all that they were worth. And I felt like I had this responsibility, you know, on my shoulders, and I'm like, what am I going to do? And at the end of the day, I decided to take the role, and there was part of me that was worried that I was just doing it for selfish reasons. But really, I had to pay the rent, <laughs> the truth, I really did have to pay the rent, and I, I had no health insurance. And so um, I decided, you know what, I'm not gonna play the role the way it's written on the page. They had things like chewing gum, rolling her head, uh, you know, those kinds of things. And I said, mm I'm not gonna play it like that. And so throughout the, the months, I would go against what was on the page and I tried to bring my essential self to the role. And I played me, basically. And as time went on, it was only supposed to last about, like, four months. The role lasted for two and a half years. Wow. <laughs> two and a half years. And I truly believe it was because I did not play the stereotype that was on the page. And they started to rewrite my character to fit me. And she then they wound up setting me up with this love interest and one of the main characters on the show and all of these things. And they created this whole stuff. And if I had not taken that role, that role would not have opened other doors for me, which therefore would not have led me to Jane the Virgin. And for me, Jane the Virgin had the positive impact that I wanted at that time that I thought that I was getting, Mm -hmm. uh, playing that character and then turning out to not be. I thought that I was gonna be changing an image of Latinos in the media and, and, and it wasn't, but, I hung in there, and now I actually did get to do that
0: just much further down the line, but you know. One thing leads to another. Yeah, I love that. Um, And even when you're you're telling your story, um, there's a big part of it where you lost your passion for acting and you didn't know whether you wanted to continue. Now, Mm -hmm. all the Jane the Virgin fans out there are very excited that you found your passion. (laughs) Um, But talk to me about that, because I think a lot of people do struggle with having a passion, working towards it, staying on the course, or picking it back up without that fear of like, what if I don't, it's not my passion anymore? Like, mm-hmm. talk to me about that.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, acting was like my be-all and end-all. It was my dream, my ultimate goal to, to be a successful working actress. Um, and, you know, but you still got to have a life. And so I met my husband, got married, and I had two kids. And when I when my children were born, I was just so surprised at how much they were important to me. I mean, not really, but, I mean, just how much more it dimmed acting for me. Like, you know, I, I I didn't want to like right away run out and try and continue to pursue my career because I didn't want anyone else raising my children. I wanted to have the the impact on them that I thought the, the foundation, at least that I thought that they should have morally and all these other things. And I got so engrossed with them. And then I wasn't focusing on my acting career as I, I could have or should have or whatever. Um, and I kind of started to lose touch of, with myself. And I and I wasn't like accepting a lot of auditions that would take me out of town and all these other things because I really just wanted to be home. Um, but there was also a part of me, I'll be honest, that <laughs> kind of found it a convenient excuse. Okay. Yeah, to, to, to well, I'm, I'm focusing on my kids. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm with them. They, they need me. And the further a way that I got from my acting career, the less I focused on it, on it, the less love I had for it, the more and more I fell out of love with acting. And I went into a depression and I really thought, well, gosh, maybe I don't want to act anymore. Like maybe I should just be a stay at home mom and maybe that's good enough. Like, I, I don't know. And I got more and more and more depressed, turned down more and more opportunities, auditions, And finally, one day in in a December, I get a phone call from my agent. And I was dreading this call because I thought it was going to be another audition that I did not want to go on. Mm. And it turned out to be her saying, So, Andrea, um, your contract is up. And since you haven't made enough money this year, we're going to drop you as a signed client. And I was like, oh, my God. And in that moment, one, I expected the phone call. But two, I was shocked. Three, the, the the realization of, oh, my God, it's so hard to get an agent. It's so hard to get, you know, get yourself established. It's so hard to get ahead that, like, I just, like, I created this. I manifested this through my behavior. What's wrong with me? Um, and I was like, okay, I hung up. And I was like, well, I guess that's it. I guess I'm not an actress anymore. I, I guess I quit. And so I went to a really dark place that December. And then that January, I got a phone call from my friend, Anthony. He is a director of movies and theater. And he's like, hey, Andrea, I got this play. It's called Frankie and Johnny. And you would be perfect for the role of Frankie. And I was like, oh, Anthony, I'm sorry. I quit acting. And He's like, what? You can't quit acting. I was like. I did. My agents just dropped me. I don't have an agent anymore. I'm not acting anymore. He goes, Andrea, please don't tell me that. You're just breaking my heart. I I can't stand to hear that. He goes, look, this play is amazing. Just please read it. Let me email it to you. And I was like, all right, fine. Just email it to me. So he emails it to me. I read it. And it is so good. I'm like, I love the writing. I want to play this role so bad. But then there's like these sexual scenes, and there's like some nudity in it. And I'm like, oh my god, my husband will never agree to this. I can't play those roles. I'm a mom. So uh, I just was like, oh my god. All right, if if I don't if I don't take this, he's gonna he's gonna direct it anyway. He's mm-hmm. gonna give the role to somebody else. Then he's gonna invite me. And I'm of course gonna go because that's what good friends do. You show up to their projects and you support them. And then I'm gonna be sitting in the audience, kicking myself that I didn't take the role. And so I was like, oh no, that's completely unacceptable to me. I would not be able to live with myself with that regret. And after that first rehearsal, I, I, we walked out of the rehearsal and I, I turned to Anthony and I, I was, I had tears in my eyes and I said, oh my God, Anthony, thank you so much. I forgot all about this part of myself. I, I lost touch with it. And so we went into rehearsals for two months and then um, performances for a few weeks and I invited the agent that had dropped me and I was, to my surprise, she showed up. I really didn't think she would come I me. She dropped me as a client, right? What? And, but she came and I thought that meant like, okay, well maybe this is another opportunity. And so at the end of the play, I said to her, can I have a meeting with you, like a a one-on-one meeting? And she said, sure. So we set it up the following week, I come in, and she goes, so what do you want to talk to me about? And I went, well, I'd like to be a signed client again. And she goes, no, I'm sorry. And I was like, what? And she goes, Andrea, the business has changed so much. You have to work 10 times harder than when you first started. And not only that, you have to want it more than I want it for you.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I went, okay, all right, well, you know what? If you just said yes, I probably would have taken it for granted anyway, so I'll show you. And she went, okay. And so then the next two auditions she sends me out on, one I book. And the second one is a screen test that flies me from New York to LA to screen test for a show. And before I got on that play, plane, she was like, Andrea, we need to take you out for coffee and mm. uh, sign some contracts. Nice. And so a month
0: later, I was a um, signed member again. I love that story. Um, and you glossed over one thing that I yes. actually want to go a little deep onto. Yeah. So you said I was in really, really dark depression for a month and then I got the call. What if you didn't get the call? Because this is where I think... Was it a sliding door moment for you? Was it one of those moments where if he hadn't have called, you wouldn't be sitting here, I wouldn't know you, the world wouldn't have known you, you wouldn't have changed culture? Or was it just one of one thing that happened that sparked you? And if it wasn't that, do you think there would have been something else? Because when I think about people talking about passion, and myself included, I think you need to fuel your passion. Mm -hmm. You don't just find it. You don't just stumble upon it and then all of a sudden it's a passion. Even in your storytelling, it's, well, I didn't do it for a while. I did less and less auditions. I was turning it down. So you were pouring less fuel on your fire. It wasn't giving it the attention it needed. Right. Mm -hmm. To the point where it almost dissipated. Yeah. But it seems like someone came at you with a freaking blowtorch and you lit up like a house on fire Mm -hmm. and then just dominated acting. Well, I would say there's... Uh,
1: you know, regret t- t- tends to get a, a negative connotation. Mm-hmm. Actually, regret is looking out for you. Regret is mm-hmm. telling you, you don't want to feel like this. Do you like this feeling? How do you like that feeling? How does it fit? Oh, it, do- it hurts? Well, you know what you need to do to not feel that. Mm-hmm. So let's get going. Come on, let's go. Take some action. You can always hit the reset button. Always. So, you know, you could... You know, it could theoretically have been that um, Anthony didn't call me, and a whole 20 years went by, Mm -hmm. and I didn't act, and I'm experiencing extremely painful regret, and then I could decide at age whatever, could be 60, 70, and you know what? I'm going to go back to acting, and who's to say that I couldn't be a successful actress at that age? There's no rules. It's only you. It's only you who's limiting yourself, right? Right. So when you share your story, or you, you are brave enough to step up to the plate, you know, you're being an example, you're being a light, you're, you're encouraging other people to, to do the same. And uh, for me, you know, it's a responsibility to the brown, little brown kids out there, you know, in our country to be inspired and to be motivated and to see themselves and to feel like they could do it too.
0: Yeah. I love that. And we've spoken about this off camera, but the the beauty of like, I was here and now I'm here. Yeah. People love those stories. Oh, and I know how
1: that feels. I know how it feels when I see some beautiful actress or somebody who seems to have like, have not made, you know, because you're only looking at curated images that, have, you know, where people are getting paid a ton of money to make sure that this celebrity's image is like, amazing Mm -hmm. and so wonderful and it's really freaking bs i'm sorry to say it's the truth and i don't want to reinforce the idea that someone doesn't measure up to this curated highly money-driven image Mm -hmm. it's just not fair it's not right. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with, you know, having beautiful, glossy images. You know, I, I'm all about it. I love to be pretty. I love to do my <laughs> red carpet look and get my glam on and all that stuff. But I also feel that it needs to be communicated that, hey, I even show the, the before and after sometimes. All right, this is what I look like before the red carpet. This is what I look like now. Or to, sh- to share in my struggles. Because... I want to get people off the hook Mm. everyone is like oh they have it made they're so like they must have something that i don't Mm. there must be something that they cracked that i i'm or i'm just not good enough like i just don't have something no you do everyone is insecure everyone has hang-ups and issues and everyone is on a mission and a journey and a path and if they just prefer to have completely glossy curated images that's their path you know that's that's part of their ministry or their journey they're supposed to show show that you know show that part and who knows who's to say that that wouldn't inspire someone
0: yeah you know but i love that you're you've got a vision you've got an a very clear at least it seems like you know exactly the type of image you want to portray and that image is the real you and if anyone listening or watching go over to her instagram like you do these videos and i just watched one where you're lying in bed you've got no makeup on and you're like i just woke up and i'm having these emotions and dude that like freaking like struck me to my core Mm. because Again, going back to people can maybe look at you if they don't know your story and they can put you in a bucket of, she was gifted, she was given it, look how beautiful, look how talented, and I'm gonna dismiss her, or lucky, right? Um, But the truth is none of it was like, you fought your way to where you are and you're not done. Even now, where people may look at you and put you on a pedestal, you're like, look, I'm struggling, I'm still going through shit, I'm still trying to figure things out. You know, talking about having an incredible career and now who, you know i'm sure people are what are you doing next yeah, right and exactly. then it touches on the identity thing and who are you and so like all this pressure on people coming at you but you're still real, mm-hmm. and you're still you. And so, talk to me about this next step in your career and this next evolution. As I'm here saying, so what's next? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How are you emotionally navigating mm-hmm. those next steps? Because I'm sure everybody wants to pin you into Jane the Virgin, mm-hmm. but I think that's way dismissive of what you're about to achieve, in my opinion. Okay, but.
1: cool. Yeah. Um. You know, I it's it's a work in progress. I'm in a place uh, right now in my life of unclarity or I'm not so clear. I realize now that you know booking a series regular, you know, on, a, on like a major network was was such a big deal to me, and I really thought that it was gonna make me feel better about myself. I really thought, wow, if I just get you know validated and, and I just break through to this level of being a series regular that would prove my value and my worth. Therefore, making me feel better about myself. And it didn't. It didn't. And as much as I loved my experience on Jane the Virgin, it was just incredible. I am still sitting with the, oh, you're still there. Oh, we're still here. Huh, that's interesting. Well, what are we gonna do now? And it's beautiful and it's wonderful and I see the wisdom in it and I'm so glad that I'm going through it because um, it's nice to let go it's nice to release and surrender and not put my value on external circumstances and to go within and to empower myself it was me all along Mm. it's like Dorothy in the Wizard of Mm. Oz you had it in you all Mm. along you just needed to go through these steps in order to really come to that place of seeing your value and your worth.
0: Girl, how on earth do you say it's beautiful with tears in your eyes all at the same time? Because I really do believe in you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But how do you hold those, like they're almost completely opposing feelings. Right, it's, it's painful,
1: really. I mean, it's painful and most people, you know, find ways, and i including myself to this day, is find ways of numbing out. You know, we know the classic alcoholic drug addict is numbing out with, with those things mm. so that they don't feel the feelings. Um, but we numb out with social media, we numb out with food, we numb out with exercise, we can numb out with med- meditation,
0: mm. we can
1: numb out with self-help, um, you know, convincing ourselves that, you know, I'm just making myself better. No. If you can get to a place of being able to be still enough to allow those feelings to come up, you're not going to die. Because what they tell you is you're going to die. They tell you this is too painful. We don't want this. And it's like, no, if you actually sat with it and let it be, it loses its power.
0: Yeah, girl, that's exactly what Mm -hmm. I see. Like you acknowledge it Mm -hmm. and you sit with it. Like literally saying it's Mm -hmm. beautiful as you're in tears. Yeah. um, It's beautiful to see Mm -hmm. because you're acknowledging both. And I have one of your quotes here, actually, that really um, does sum it up. It doesn't matter what people say about you. It only matters what you say about you to yourself. Mm. I'm so on board there, girl.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes we do say bad things. Not sometimes, probably every day. We say bad things to ourselves about ourselves. You know, and I used to fight against and don't, be, don't beat yourself up, you shouldn't, you okay. shouldn't. Like the, all the negative, like fight against it, and that's really what causes the pain that we experience. Mm. But if you can mm. relax and take a moment and go, yes, what are you trying to tell me? What are you trying to tell me when you tell me I'm not good enough? Well, if you, I'm telling you you're not good enough because I don't want you to go try that new thing because what if you fail and then you're going to be so embarrassed and it's going to be so humiliating. Remember that last time that that happened? Do you want to feel that again? I'm just trying to protect you and then it's like, I hear you, okay, you're trying to protect me. I get it. I appreciate that. You really love me and you care about me and thank you. But you know what? Remember the other time when when we did it anyway and we were scared? but we were brave. Do you see what happened? Well, what if we didn't go to Jane the Virgin pilot season? We would never have experienced Jane the Virgin. So I appreciate, I know you're trying to take care of me, but we're gonna have to do this anyway. But thank you. Oh God, that was beautiful. Yeah. And so that's, you know, a way that we can deal with the negative voices Mm -hmm. is to really give them some space to breathe and to have a say, they just want to have a say.
0: Let them talk. Oh. Would you think that consider that your superpower? Yes. If anything, it's
1: taking control of, of your life, of of not being a victim. You know, we can play victim for a while. That may serve a, per, uh, a place, but you know, after a while, you just have to take responsibility no one can fix you no one can do anything or say anything that is going to improve your life or get you ahead it's ultimately at the end of the day up to you and not to berate you know oh you're not ahead cuz you didn't you wouldn't take responsibility it's, this is coming from a place of compassion when I say it, because mm-hmm. we tend to beat ourselves up for not taking action, for not getting ahead, for, oh, you didn't, you didn't exercise today. Oh, you, you, you fell off the wagon with your diet or whatever the case. And then we beat ourselves up and it's like, no, this is coming from a place of compassion. You do have the power within you. You can do it. Just be nicer to yourself while you're doing it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Speaking my language, girl. Yeah, yeah. Well, where can people follow you to keep seeing the journey that you're going on and the incredible evolution that you're going through? Yes, um, all of my handles are Andrea
1: Naveto, So, at Andrea Naveto, And then um, there's com,
0: which is my website. Awesome. Guys, you got to go check her out. She's so beautiful inside and out. What mm. she talks about here is literally just the tip of the iceberg of what she discusses on her Instagram. you got to go check her out. She is freaking amazing. If you're not following me, guys, follow me at Lisa Billu. And if this episode brought you value, please, please do share it and click that subscribe button down there. And until next time, like she said, be the hero of your own life. Peace out, guys. Mm.